Welcome to Emmanuel Church here to the Greenwood campus. My name is Steve, and Danny was gone this past week. He's back this weekend. He'll be speaking for Easter. You don't want to miss it. Bring everybody you know. It's going to be incredible. What you just saw was a coach who was coaching from a chair. Now, maybe you know, maybe you don't. The reason he was coaching from a chair is a few days earlier when he found out that his team had made it into the NCAA tournament. He was jumping around, he was celebrating, and while he was celebrating, he tore his Achilles tendon. Now, let's not dwell on how painful that would be, but to keep him coaching, they put him in a chair so he could roll up and down the sidelines and coach his players. And what just happened is a player hit a three-pointer that put his team ahead, they went on to win the game, and he was so excited that he was cheering because that wasn't just any player on his team, that was his son that hit the go-ahead three-pointer. So he's cheering, going nuts, and he fell out of his chair and hit the ground. And that clip has gone around everybody. You know, millions of people have seen that because he was going crazy. Why was he going crazy? Because he had just gotten good news that his team was going to the next round of the tournament. Have you ever gotten good news that made you want to cheer, that made you want to celebrate, that made you want to go wild like that. That's what this series is called. The name of the series is The Gospel. And that's what the gospel means, good news. What's the good news of the gospel? Well, when you and I had ruined our lives beyond human repair because of sin, because of the lies we tell, because of gossip, because of disobeying, because of not doing what we were supposed to do, because of immoral behavior, maybe because of things that we would consider small immoral behavior, all the way up to the scandalous, because of the fact that you and I are sinners, not just because of sins we committed yesterday or sins we committed 20 years ago, but simply because that is the way we were born, because of that, the relationship between us and God was broken. And according to the Bible, we were going to live out our time on this earth And then we would spend eternity apart from God in a place called hell. But the good news of the gospel says that God wasn't okay with that. He stepped into our situation and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And he died on the cross, was buried in the ground, he rose again three days later. And that is the good news of the gospel. He paid for our sins so that we don't have to. And when you and I place faith, when you and I believe in what Jesus Christ did for us, that is the good news, that we don't have to pay for our sins because he did. And now that relationship that was broken is now restored. It's fixed because of what he did. And many of you in this room have made a decision 20 years ago, five years ago, maybe last week, and you have prayed to receive Christ. You have accepted that good news, and now your eternity in heaven is secure. The relationship is fixed. And that's the good news of the gospel. And it's incredible. And we talk about it, and we celebrate it. You just heard that more and more people have trusted Christ, 1,009 in 2014, over 300 in 2015. Some of you trusted Christ years ago, and you still haven't gotten over it. It's incredible, and we celebrate it, but the problem is this. When we prayed to receive Christ, God didn't just whisk us away to heaven. He left us here on this earth, and we are not perfect. We still sin. 
You know this. Do you know any sinners? Did you ride with any sinners in the car today to church? Did you bump into any sinners out in the coffee area? Did someone cut in front of you? Did they steal the last creamer? Are you sitting next to any sinners right now? If I passed out a mirror, would you look in it and see a sinner staring back at you? We know people. We know people that we are sure they have trusted Christ for salvation. We've seen it happen. We've seen their life change. But you know what? We've also still seen them be mean. We've also still know that they gossip. Maybe they lie. Maybe they still do things wrong. In fact, these are people that we've seen maybe on this stage stand up and say, I'm getting baptized today because God has changed my life and I want to get baptized as a symbol of what's happened on the inside. And we're going, man, that's awesome. But yet we, we work with them or they're in our family or they rode in the car with us today and we're going, yeah, but they're not perfect. And then we look at our own lives and we go, I'm not perfect either. And since we know we're still sinners, since we know we still do things that are wrong, we still make mistakes, we still disappoint people, we still sin, there's guilt inside of us. There's shame that comes over us. Because we think things like, I should have known better, I shouldn't have done that. We hear a voice that says to us, a good Christian wouldn't have done that. And we struggle through that and we, we start down this path of self-hatred and condemnation and we're not sure what to do with that because many times it's a public sin. And as a Christian, there's something going on with our reputation and everybody knows. And we're not sure what to do with that. Maybe, as a Christian, you did something that everybody knows about. Maybe you're the one that got pregnant. Maybe you got divorced. Maybe you're the one whose company went bankrupt. Something or other happened in the industry and you, didn't, you couldn't pay the people that you owed money to. And now you go out in the community and because of whatever the public sin is, maybe you had an affair... Maybe you stole something, maybe you got a DUI, maybe you had several DUIs, you went to jail, maybe you went to prison, something happened publicly, and now you go out in the community, you go to the store, you go to a certain corner of the neighborhood or whatever, or you go to family reunions, or you're certain that people are talking about you, they're whispering about you, there's something going on, because you know that they know what you did, and there's guilt and there's shame. Maybe people don't know. Maybe it's something private that you're dealing with. Maybe you have an addiction. Maybe it's an addiction to food. Maybe it's an addiction to pornography. Maybe it's an addiction to alcohol. Maybe it's an addiction to pills. You had a surgery. There was a need for the pills. You're past that surgery now. There's not a need, but you're still hooked on them. You're doing everything you can. Beg, borrow, steal, whatever medication you can because you are addicted. Nobody knows. Maybe you've spent the family finances into tens of thousands of dollars and nobody knows and you're trying to do everything you can to make sure that nobody knows. Maybe it's a gambling addiction. Maybe you're in the middle of an affair. Nobody knows. But privately, you know. And the guilt and the shame that you carry whether it's from a public sin or a private sin, has led you down this path of condemnation and self-hatred. And you spiral 
into these questions of how could I do that and I should have known better and a good Christian wouldn't have and God is mad and God's upset and you're not sure how to handle and sometimes you're doing better and you get in church and you're here and you're jumping into the series and you're reading your Bible and you're maybe going to small group and you're memorizing scripture and you think you're getting past it and then you run into somebody or somebody mentions something hey aren't you the one who or you watch something or you hear something something brings it back and you think, you know what, I'll never get past this. I'll always be the one who, and you're just not sure what God thinks. You're just not sure what to do. And that's where you live, up and down, mostly down. And this is where the gospel has something specific to say to you. Danny's done such a great job over the past couple weeks of saying specifically that the gospel doesn't just save us, it solves us. It doesn't just save us, it's not just about getting to heaven. It's not just about that prayer, it's not just about eternity and fixing that relationship once. It solves us, it has something to say about the rest of our lives it has help for us as we struggle through the day-to-day and some of you have never heard that and never understand that and I want to show you something that has helped me I want to show show you something that can help you and we're gonna start in the book of Romans in chapter 3 verse 10 if you have your Bible I want you to turn there it's gonna be in your notes it's gonna be on the screens Romans chapter 8 or chapter 3 verse 10 as it is written none is righteous No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let me read that again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let's read that together. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. One more time together. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I was playing a video game with our son Ty the other day. He's 10. He's to the point now where he can beat me in a lot of video games. It's pathetic. I used to be able to take him in most of those, and that's just not the case anymore. We were playing one of those racing games, like a street racing game, and you're driving through downtown, and then you can get on the highway, and you've got all these different cars you can choose from, and it's so great, and you're doing all these races, and it's awesome, and there's a side part of the game, while you're doing the races, if you get caught speeding, the police surround you, and the way the game works is you're not supposed to let the police pull you over, you're supposed to go flying and, and have them catch you and try to get away, and all of the police officers in the crowd right now think this is a terrible game for me to be playing with my 10-year-old. I know, I understand. He knows that... that police are to be respected it's a video game we're just playing you can win money and you can win cars and all this stuff so and I know that's not winning you over either that there's rewards for getting away from the police it's 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 a game he understands so we're, we're taking turns and it's his turn and if the police catch him then it's it's my turn so he's driving like he can he's doing this race and sure enough here come the police and they're surrounding him and and he's going turning right turning left going downtown trying to lose him and he gets on the highway and he's flying and he's just about to get away which means he'll earn this next car so he's so excited driving 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 as fast as he can and bam they crash into him and he goes spinning around the police surround him and they bust him and he's going oh man that's not fair and I should get another turn and I thought I was gonna get away and the whole thing and I said hey buddy We've all been there, my turn. I'm all excited, right? 
He gives me the controller. Now it's my turn. So I'm doing one of these races trying to earn this extra car, and I'm just driving. And sure enough, I'm going too fast, and the police come. Now they're chasing me, and I'm going right, and I'm going left, and I'm trying to shake the police. And they've got these SWAT vehicles set up across this highway. I'm going, how am I going to get across these things? Well, there's a ramp. So I take the ramp, and I'm jumping over this roadblock, and it's incredible. And just as I'm jumping the roadblock, about ready to clear it, another car comes crashing into me. I go crashing down, spinning. The SWAT vehicles surround me and I'm busted and I'm sitting there going man this isn't fair and what's going on oh man I just made it by I open my eyes right next to me is my 10 year old hand out hey we've all been there my turn (laughs) nailed me and I think about that and I think about the guilt and the shame that all of us all of us have And I think about that verse, all have sinned and fall short. Hey, we've all been there. All of us have our stuff. All of us have our mess ups. All of us have our sin. Isn't some of the guilt and the shame that we feel traced back to the fact that sometimes we think we're the only one that messed up that badly? We're the only one to disappoint anybody. We're the only one to be caught in temptation. We're the only one to have sinned. (laughs) I'm not letting any of us off the hook, starting with me. What I'm saying is, according to this verse... You're not the only one. And sometimes the condemnation and the self-hatred comes because we think, well, look at over them, and they probably don't have problems, and that person over there, and I'm, no. They've sinned, they've sinned, they've sinned, they've sinned, they've sinned, I've sinned, you've, we're all in the same boat. In fact, that phrase, fall short, is actually traced back to an archery term. You're pulling back on the bow, and you're shooting and letting go, And you're going to the right, and you're going to the left, and you're going over, and you're going under. The point is you're missing the mark. If perfection is the target, all of us are missing it. None of us are hitting the target. And here's the thing about missing the mark. Missing the mark should not produce guilt that leads to condemnation. Missing the mark simply proves that we all need a Savior. Missing the mark should not produce guilt that leads to condemnation. Missing the mark simply proves that we all need a Savior. We're all in the same boat. So look how God responds in the very next verse, Romans 3. Verse 24, yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, It is based on faith. God 
saw our condition. God saw that we missed the mark. God saw that we had no hope. So God reacted by sending Jesus right into our situation to die on the cross in our place. So do we have anything to boast about? Do we have anything to step up and say, see, 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 see what I did? Nope. Because we didn't do anything. All that's left for us to do is believe in what he did. So, maybe, if this was just about stop sinning, fix it, step up, do better, if that was the solution, then maybe the self-hatred and the condemnation was justified. But that wasn't the solution. If the God of the universe looked at our situation and said, the only way this can get fixed is for me to send my only son to the cross. And all he asked us to do was believe. Then our response should be, okay, thank you. I'm not going to feel the condemnation. I'm not going to feel self-hatred. I'm simply going to feel gratitude and accept the gift and respond with the belief. I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to say do better. I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to say thank you for the help. Now, I think that most of you in this room you understand that. I think you're okay with that. I think most of you in this room at some point in this time have prayed that prayer and you've accepted the gospel for help for heaven. Because you think that is all the help that the gospel extends to. And then for some reason, we think that that's where the help ends. And once heaven is taken care of, we're on our own. And that's just not true. Because the help of the gospel extends to living this life. It extends to the sin struggles that you and I continue to face in this life. The help of the gospel continues to solve us, not just save us. The path of condemnation is not a path that we have to walk for the rest of this life. Look what Paul continues to say in Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now that we've been saved, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, look at this, who walk not according to the flesh, but, and here's where we could put a now, now according to 
the Spirit. There's several other places in the Bible where it talks about walking according to the Spirit, and this is where the help of the gospel kicks in for the struggles of this life. See, the help of the gospel is now we have his Spirit living inside of us. Now we have the Holy Spirit to convict us, to help us, and to guide us as we live this life. You've heard of this before, you've thought this through before, but I don't know necessarily that we've looked at it as help to live this life. I don't know that we've looked at it as back to the gospel living inside of us as we struggle through this life. And that's exactly what it is. The help didn't stop at salvation. The help extends in the form of the Spirit living inside of us. And now the path of condemnation is not the path that we have to walk anymore. Now we can walk the path of conviction. And here's the beauty of the path of conviction. The gospel leads us down the path of conviction. And the path of conviction, as we sin, takes us right back to the loving arms of the Father. Who says, okay, you sinned, but you're still my child. I still love you. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He doesn't discard us. He's not mad. He doesn't say, get out of here. He doesn't say, who are you? I can't believe you messed up. If you were a Christian, you would have known better. Not at all. He says, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's start over. You're my kid. And just like we would with our children, There's a time where we've got to point out some things that need done better, and then let's go. Let's attack this thing again. Let's go for it. I love you. That is what the path of conviction does. As we walk with the Spirit living inside of us, the gospel leads us back to the Father. Here's the difference between the path of conviction and the path of condemnation. Let me give you a for instance. You're reading your Bible. It's, it's, a, it's a Tuesday morning. Why would you be reading your Bible on a Tuesday morning? Because as soon as you've placed faith in Christ, we've put a Bible in your hands. At both campuses, we've said, listen, that's so awesome you've placed faith in Christ. Go back to the back, get a Bible. If you've been a Christian for a while, you're in a small group, we're giving you passages of Scripture that go along with the message. We've given you memory verses. We've got a bookstore with Bibles back there. We have reading plans on the app, on, on the website for you. you. You can get your own Bible. Whatever it is, we're saying, read your Bible. Finally, you're going, all right, I guess they want me to read my Bible. Why? Why? Because you're getting a slice of God's mind. You're getting God's perspective on your day. And you're going, all right, well, it's Tuesday morning. I'm reading my Bible. Awesome. You come across a verse, and be not drunk with wine. And you're going, wait a second. Let me read that again. And be not drunk. And you're going, well, that's what the Bible says. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be drunk. All right. I guess I'm making new plans for Friday night. I, I mean, that's what the Bible says. I'm not going out Friday night. I'm not going to go out and get drunk. Okay, done. Path of conviction. You read God's word. That's what it says. I'm going to respond. Awesome. The path of condemnation, Saturday morning. You went out on a Friday night, made bad decisions, path of condemnation. You're waking up going, you're an idiot. God would never love you. Don't you dare go to church. If they found out what you did, they would throw you out. Christianity doesn't work. A good Christian wouldn't have done that. In fact, you know what? Just give up on the whole thing. Just get out. Just go back to your old ways. Go back to what you're used to doing. I told you. Told you you were no good. You're a disaster. 
And that voice you hear is not the Father. That is not the gospel. That voice you hear is the path of condemnation, and we've already seen today that that is not where you and I have to live. That is not the path you and I have to take. In fact, the path of conviction on a Saturday morning, if you did make a poor decision on a Friday night, the path of conviction leads you right back to the Father. And you go to him and you say, Father, God, I blew it. I went against your word. He says, all right, let's patch this up. Let's start over. Let's get some accountability in your life. You know that's not what my word says? I'll forgive you. Let's start over. What can we do? Who's in your small group? Who can we get you around? Who can you text next time? That's the way that you, 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 you sense that that's how you want to spend your time. Who can you gather around? What other activities can we put in place on a Friday night? What other ways can you spend your time? And you start putting practices in your life to counter that type of behavior. But his attitude towards you is grace and hope and love and a second chance. Not get out of here. Who are you? I can't believe that you lived like that. The path of conviction is corrective but there's healing and there's love and there's mercy and there's forgiveness and there's a second chance and you're my kid and let's go let's start again path of conviction says you're sitting in small group men you're meeting with the men and you're having a time of prayer for each other ladies you're, you're off with the ladies maybe you're at a restaurant or you're at somebody's house and you're wrapping up and you're 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 having a time of prayer and you know as you're sitting there, somebody said, hey, got any prayer requests? And you're talking about being the right kind of men leading your family, the right kind of women. Maybe, maybe it's a single, single guy small group or a single lady small group, and you're sitting there having heart-to-heart conversations. And somebody says, how can we pray for you? What's going on? What struggles are you having? And you know this is the moment. You sense this is the time to share that something's going on in your life. There's a relationship at work that you've started that's inappropriate. And you're convicted about it. Maybe you're into an affair. Maybe it's just at the beginnings of it. And you're sensing this is the time. Share this with the group. Get their perspective. Ask for help. Help them to get them to help you get out of this. But there's this other voice that you're hearing that's saying, don't say a word to them. They're going to gossip about you. They're going to tell on you. You're going to be miserable if you work things out with your husband. You're going to be miserable if you work things out with your wife. You weren't made for marriage anyway. In fact, God's furious at you anyway. They're going to kick you out of the church. Don't say a word. You're terrible at relationships. You're never going to be happy. Just keep quiet. That is not the voice of God. That is the path of condemnation the path of conviction is easily recognized why because the path of conviction is the gospel saying hey you made a mistake you've sinned but let's work this out let's find healing let's ask for forgiveness let's get the correction needed and let's make our way back to the father who's going to take this and patch this back up and work through the difficulties and start over. See, you and I need help to work through the sins 
that we are going to commit. And the path of conviction is the gospel with the spirit living inside of us saying there is a way to work through the sins that we're going to commit. But it's not the path of condemnation saying you're a disaster and there is no hope. It is the path of conviction saying there's a way back to the loving, gracious Father. Listen to what Brennan Manning says about the healthy kind of guilt. This is great. Healthy guilt adds not a single paragraph to the script for self-hatred. To the contrary, the conviction of personal sinfulness leads to realistic confrontation, ruthless honesty, and self-knowledge. It stimulates the desire for reconciliation and inner peace. Paul had a situation like this when he wrote his letter to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians, he had to correct them of some sin that was taking place. And then in 2 Corinthians, he wrote them another letter, and I want you to see what he says. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have so you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. God will use a sermon, personal time with him reading his word, a small group leader, a small group member, a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, a parent, a child, a friend. God will use all of those things to bring a moment of conviction, his spirit living inside of you to say, whoa, 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 that's not right, you shouldn't be living that way, and you're going to sense that. But the right kind of the healthy guilt, the sorrow is going to lead you down the path of conviction, the gospel will take you back to the Father who is waiting with his arms wide open, and he will say, hey, we're going to have to work through some things, but we start with the fact that you're my child. We start with the fact that I love you. You can recognize the path of conviction. You can recognize the gospel working because it is healing, it is corrective, it is restorative, there is love, there is grace, it leads to forgiveness and to second chances. And many of us, left to ourselves, choose the path of condemnation that says there's no hope, you're a disaster, a good Christian would never have done this, and we spiral out of control and we think, that God doesn't love us, and he's mad, and we never should have made these mistakes, and we have no hope. There were two men in the Bible that committed the exact same sin. They were in Jesus' inner circle, and they both betrayed him. Judas betrayed Jesus in the garden. He led the soldiers to Jesus. He said, there he is, and he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Peter betrayed Jesus in the courtyard. After Jesus had been captured, Peter was asked, do you know this man? Nope, don't know him. Three times he betrayed Jesus. I don't know who this person is. Weren't you with him? Nope. 
They betrayed the Savior, this man that they had been with close on the inside, betrayed him, turned their back on him. Same sin. The difference was the path that they chose after they sinned. Judas chose the path of condemnation. He never found his way back to Jesus. The Bible tells us he went out and he killed himself. Peter had the godly sorrow, the repentance. He chose the path of conviction. He found his way back to Jesus. And what he found was healing, restoration, forgiveness, love, and a second chance. And Peter went on to do incredible things for Jesus. The question is, which path are you going to choose? Your action step today in your notes, you and I stand at a fork in the road, not just once, but for the rest of our lives. Why? Because we're going to sin. And over and over, we're going to have to choose. Am I going to choose self-hatred and condemnation and spiral out of control? Or am I going to choose the path of conviction and allow the gospel to continue to help me through the struggles of this life and make my way down the path of conviction and allow the help to take me back to the arms of the Father who says, all right, you messed up, okay, you sinned, but I love you, you're my child. Let's work through this. There might be some consequences, there might be some correction, but we can find the restoration and the love and the mercy and the forgiveness and a second chance. You might sit there and say, yeah, but how do you know? How do you know that that would be God's attitude towards me? I've tried to prove it, but maybe this quote would help you. Andy Stanley's a pastor in Georgia. He said it this way, you never have to wonder where you stand with someone who is willing to die for you. If the God of the universe could send his son to the cross, you don't have to wonder that he would be willing to welcome you back. He died for you. You might say, Steve, but, but you, don't, you don't know what I've done. You're right. It's a big auditorium, a lot of seats. I don't know what you brought in with you today. I don't know the mess that you're sitting in right now or where you've been. I, I don't. You're right. But you don't know where I've been or what I've done. And this has to apply to me just like it applies to you. You know, many days I do, I do well with the guilt and the shame. And I, I try to work through what we've learned in Romans and try to apply that. But some days it, it overwhelms me. I found myself in a situation last fall. I was at the funeral of a friend. And this was a guy that I had served with in ministry right out of college. And he had passed away. So at his funeral, I found myself face to face with a senior pastor that he and I had both worked for, you know, 20 plus years ago. I was a volunteer, he was a staff member, but I was talking to this pastor's wife, they're now retired, and she asked, you know, Steve, how's it going? And I hadn't seen her for 20 years, and we had some time before the funeral, so we sat down in the church, and we were just talking. And I said, well, you know, after I left your church, I, I got married and went into ministry, and, and she knew that. And I said, hey, you know what, it was going well for a while, and, and then it wasn't, and I made a lot of mistakes. And I shared with her what I've shared with you before. I said, hey, I, I left ministry and I got divorced. And I went on to tell her, 
you know, about moving to Indiana and going to work for a company and how nothing worked out. I ended up on the north side of Indianapolis in an apartment with an eviction notice on it. The company I went to work for had gone bankrupt. I was owed thousands of dollars. And there I was at rock bottom. No money. My reputation was gone. My relationships were gone. Nothing had worked out. I told her about coming to Emmanuel. I told her about meeting the pastor at that time, and he put his arm on my shoulder and said, Steve, why don't you let us help you put your life back together? I walked her through how that went, and meeting Angela, and getting married, and eventually being on staff here, and Pastor Danny keeping me on staff. I told her about all of you and the great things that God has done here at our church and just the, the, the huge second chance that God has given me. But as I was sharing it, and as excited as I was, there was still that guilt and shame welling up inside of me. Because I just, I know how people are and some people are excited about second chances and other people, it's tough. And I knew that my ex-wife and her family had attended this lady and her husband's church years ago and so I knew that you know, the world's pretty big, but sometimes it gets very small very quickly, and I just didn't know how excited she'd be for me. I went on and told the rest of my story, and then I was done talking, and it was her turn to talk, and I, I just didn't know what she was going to say. And she turned and looked at me, and she said, Steve, I am so glad that we had this chance to talk, and I'm just so thankful for what God's done in your life. She said, Steve, we knew what had gone on and just so glad that God's given you a second chance. She said, Steve, we all have our stuff. She said, Steve, after you left our church years ago, she said, I had to stand up in front of the church and share with them that before I'd been in ministry, before I'd been married, that I had had a baby years ago. And no one in the church knew that. But she said the time was right that I needed to share that with the church. She said, I didn't know how that was going to go. But she said, as I shared that with the church and the service was over, she said, people were lining up to talk to me and to show me grace and mercy and love. And she said, Steve, it reminded me that we all have our stuff. So she said, Steve, again, I'm just so glad for what God's done in your life and that we had this chance to reconnect and talk. And here's this lady, she's probably in her 70s, she has kids my own, at my age, and we're friends, and what was going on between she and I? Well, at points in our lives, we had walked the path of conviction, and the gospel had led us back to the arms of the Father. And we had found healing, correction restoration forgiveness and a second chance and now as we were sharing our stories the gospel was happening between us and i could feel the guilt and the shame going away and i'm sharing that story so that the guilt and the shame could go away from you and you could realize that the gospel is available to do the same to you And many of you walked in here today unsure if that was available. It is. Which path are you going to walk? Over and over, you're going to have to choose. You don't have to walk the path of condemnation. 
The path of conviction allows the gospel to lead you back to the Father. We're going to sing a song right now, and I want you to think about which path you're going to choose. I want you to think about the guilt and the shame that you carry. I'm going to ask you to do that, and then I'm going to ask you to stay as I come back and close. Some of you are here today, and you've listened, and we've talked about the gospel fixing the relationship that was broken between us and God, and you might be sitting here and saying, you know, I've been coming for several years, or maybe a few weeks, or maybe this is your first time, and I've never prayed to receive Christ. I've never allowed the gospel, the good news, to fix that relationship, and I want to give you a chance to do that today. It is the most important decision you could make. Maybe you've been sensing that this is the time to make it. I would ask you to make that bold step. Don't put it off. Why would you? The God of the universe was willing to step into your situation and fix it. And all you have to do is believe. The way you express that belief is just through a prayer. And I'm going to lead you in that right now. And it's just saying, God, I believe in what your son did. He paid for my sins. I believe in that. I'm asking for forgiveness. And I want to follow you with my life. So if you're ready to place faith in him, I'm going to ask everybody right now just to close your eyes, bow your heads. If you've prayed that before, just pray right now for those that are about to. This is, this is a special moment right now. It's important. And for those of you that are ready to pray, you can just... Repeat after me here in the quietness of this moment. Dear God, I know that I've made a mess of things. I know that I don't have a relationship with you because of my sin. But God, today, I believe what you did when you sent your son to the cross. I believe that he died in my place I believe that he paid for my sins. And today, I'm asking for forgiveness of those sins. I'm giving my life to you. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can look this way. If you prayed that prayer today, it's an incredible step. Many in this room have already done that. And we have a gift for you. I mentioned it earlier. We have these Bibles. It's a Bible reading plan especially designed for you. Many in this church are are reading this plan. If you'll stop by at the close of our service at the tables at the back and just say, hey, I prayed that prayer. I prayed to receive Christ today. They'll, They'll put one of these Bibles in your hands. If you prayed in the past few weeks to receive Christ and still haven't gotten a Bible, please stop by today. And if you brought somebody that prayed to receive Christ. Will you go back there with them and just give them that extra shot of boldness to maybe encourage them to do that? If you haven't prayed to receive Christ maybe today and you've done it in the past, and that's awesome. You can go back to the bookstore and get one of these. Please don't stop by and get one of these at the tables, but we'd love for you to start reading the Bible too. For the rest of you, for all of us in fact, here's how I want to close. Would you stand with me? Just have one more thing to say to you. There's a pastor who serves on Andy Stanley's staff. He's one of their campus pastors. 
I heard a quote that he said the other day. You are not the exception to God's grace. Let me say it again. You are not the exception to God's grace. Now, I'm going to turn that around and we're going to say that together, but we're going to say the word I instead of you. I am not the exception to God's grace. Let's say that together. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. I am not the exception to God's grace. Now, we can do a lot better than that. Say it again together. I am not the exception to God's grace. Now, some of you, and sometimes me, walked in today thinking that you were the exception to God's grace because of what you've done. Something maybe that nobody knew. And it's just not true. God's grace can extend to your situation, but you have to choose not to walk the path of condemnation anymore. The gospel can fix your situation and lead you right back to the Father who wants to heal, who wants to forgive, if you'll make that choice. Let's pray. God, thank you for rewriting our story. Thank you for time and time again accepting us and loving us. God, I pray that many people would choose to walk a different path today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll see you next week for Easter. Bring a friend.